Hey, listen, do you know what happens if you can't read the words? You can still worship God. And we get a little uncomfortable when stuff like this happens because we're so used to the technology, but I want to free you up a little bit. Uh, There's a move that you can always go to. It's one of these right here. You can dance like a church like this, I think. Pretty sure that works. You can clap your hands. You can raise your hands. You can pray. You can shout. Listen, don't let technology keep you from worshiping Jesus. It's here to enhance worship. But when it goes out, the devil doesn't all of a sudden win. Right? We still have our focus and our heart on Jesus. I read this. uh, You can read accounts all throughout history of people who have been martyred, people who have given their lives for the sake of Jesus, people who have gone through tremendous and terrible persecution because they refuse to deny that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I've read stories of people in North Korea and in uh, the USSR and uh, all around the world and every time I read these stories, I, I, it causes me to pause and think, right? Like, what would I do? Right? I'll keep some of the details because we've got uh, little ones in the room. So, but the things that people endure for the sake of Jesus is not small or insignificant. There have been people stood in front of steamrollers in North Korea, for instance, Right? And other terrible things, if you don't deny Christ, this will happen. If you don't stop proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, this will happen. And I wonder, I ask myself, am I prepared? What would happen if that was me? Would I be prepared in that moment? Because what you see in almost all of these stories is a tremendous peace, resolve, and confidence in what they believe. There's no wavering. Instead, there's praise. There's not uh, anger. Instead, there's prayer. Praying for the people who are persecuting them over and over and over again, singing hymns as they die for the sake of Christ. And I question, am I prepared for this? When it comes, will I be able to manage myself that way? What does it take for me to do that? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever been in conversations or you read a story or, or you read or you hear of someone and you ask yourself, I wonder what I would do. If you're not a believer, this all sounds really crazy. You're like, why would you die for that? I've got stuff to do. I, what's the big deal? And that's fair. That's okay. If you're not a believer, why would you die for Jesus, right? I mean, right? The narrative is that he's dead. Why would you die for a dead guy? Except if you are a believer, we don't believe that. We believe that Jesus is in fact alive, sitting at the right hand of the Father, preparing a place for those who will believe in him and come home to them one day. Or would you be prepared when it comes? Not if it comes, when it comes. What is our resolve? What is our commitment to? What are we controlled by, right? What are we full of? Today we're gonna see the thing, this is the third murder that has happened in Israel. John the Baptist, Jesus, and now Stephen. And Stephen being the first martyr for Christ, right, martyr means that you're dying for your faith. See, Stephen wasn't 
being indicted. He wasn't being convicted and he wasn't being killed because uh, he was bringing some new truth into the world. This was not some new popular opinion. This was the old truth, the main truth that had been covered up by tradition. It had been covered up by religiosity. So it wasn't that he was going to die for some new thing. It was because he was uncovering this and putting it at the forefront that he was being charged, indicted, and killed. And we're going to get into it. Steve will be in Acts chapter 7. And what we're going to do is focus on the back portion because the first portion is the longest speech recorded in the book of Acts. And it is an actual indictment to those who persecuted and denied Jesus, those who had covered up the truth of God with traditions of men. And he couldn't have used stronger language. It was intentional. It's, a, it's an Old Testament history lesson. It's a reminder of how they got to where they are currently. So I don't want to um, kind of hash that whole thing out, but he addressed them as family. And what he did is he compared them to their forefathers, right? And the reason that he was doing it were for these reasons, that they misunderstood their own spiritual roots. They had rejected their God-sent deliverers. He indicts them for the first 50 one verses or so, Stephen starts going through Moses. He starts going through the prophets. Hey, God's been trying to tell you this truth the whole time and you've been shut out. You've been shutting him out and the people that he've sent, you've rejected. Your ancestors killed all the prophets and now you're doing the same thing. You're no different. You can imagine how that made them feel. Right, when somebody's coming at you, right, and you know they're speaking truth but you don't wanna hear it, right, you don't want to hear it because it hurts or because it means that you might have to change, right? They disobeyed their law, he started to tell them, that you aren't even upholding the law that you say is so special. They despised their temple. Remember, the temple had become an idol for them. They had forgotten what the temple even was, what it was for. And they stubbornly resisted their God in his truth, you can look through all of these things. There are scriptures, Genesis 1, Genesis 37 to, to excuse me, Genesis 13, uh, 15, 17, 37 to 41. There's so many. You can look through all the first parts, Stephen's speech, and he just recounts the, the, the lessons and the stories and the history of the nation in their rejection of what God wanted for the nation. And we're gonna camp out starting at verse 51. And I'll back up just a little bit. Verse 48, right? He got to the part where um, they were building the house for God. Solomon built the house instead of David. And it says this, however, the most high does not live in houses made by men. It was a really fascinating thing. See, the temple was this place where God came down and was gonna interact with his people. His presence was gonna be there. But the New Testament tells us that the old temple structure wasn't gonna be the house for God that his people were. And for whatever reason, this idea still permeates the church today. It still permeates the church. 
We believe that our buildings somehow will house God and that we all, as long as we go there, we'll meet with God. And we forget that we have God in us and God with us and that we are to therefore go, right? Not houses made by men. And then it says this. This is where the, the, the I want you to think about if you were on the other side receiving this, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your father's. Men, how many times have you heard that one? You are just like your father. Or ladies, you're just like your mother. Men, by the way, young men, if you just married, don't ever say that, ever, for any reason whatsoever. I don't care how mad you get. I don't care how right you are. Don't ever say you are just like your mother. It will not end well for you. All the old men are saying, amen, brother, you tell them. But they're saying you're just like your father's. You can't get away from the same indictment that they had. You always resist the Holy Spirit. You know, this, what's interesting about this is that they could reject the prophets. They could reject Jesus, right? But the scripture says there's only one thing that can keep you out is a full, complete rejection of the Holy Spirit, that prompting, that calling, He says, was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one and now you have betrayed and murdered him and you've received the law that, or you have received the law that was put into effect through angels but have not obeyed it. And I don't know about you, but their response reminds me of when I was a little kid, right? Somebody starts telling you the truth, you don't wanna hear it, what do you do? You plug your ears, La, 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 I can't hear you. This is what they did. Let's read what it says, and we're gonna kind of camp out here for a little while, okay? When they heard this, when they heard the truth of the history, they heard the truth of what God had spoken against them and what their fathers had done and the fact that they were just like them. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. Uh, this idea of gnashing teeth, Right, this is not, they didn't have like, whenever I read this at first, my picture was they had like fangs and, you know, the gnashing of teeth. No, no, no. You know when you clench, you're so angry. That's gnashing of teeth. They were furious. When's the last time you were furious? And what was it about? Right? That you're so angry, you're bald fist and you're gnashing teeth. They couldn't even handle what was going on. They were welling up inside with anger. And normally when that happens, right, you make great decisions, right? When you're at that point of gnashing teeth and clench, you're ready to make some really great decisions. So let's contrast that with Stephen. It says, but Stephen, their response to the truth was gnashing of teeth and fury, but Stephen, again, full of what? The Holy Spirit, that's right, looked up into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he says, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You know, we know throughout scriptures that Jesus went and sat at the right hand of God. 
right? On his throne, in his authority. But for him to be standing is a position of welcome. Stephen saw him standing. A lot of people think it is because he was about to welcome him home. Standing to welcome Stephen home. See, what's interesting is in their fury and their rejection of the spirit and their rejection of the truth that they had covered up by their own traditions, they were only able to see what was happening at this level. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, what was he able to do? He just had his eyes up and was able to see into heaven. He was able to see God. He was able to see the main thing. He was able to see where he was going and not all this. See, when we reject the truth, we're incapable of seeing the spiritual things that are going on. When we reject the spirit and we reject truth, we can only see what's in front of us. They could only see what they wanted to see. This guy's getting in our way. Let's get rid of him. Gnashing of teeth. They were furious because they were not full of the Holy Spirit. They were full of their own tradition. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up and saw the glory of God. I want you to hang on to that because that perspective will answer some questions for us later, right? Him being full of the Spirit, able to see God and Jesus at his right hand standing, getting ready to welcome him home, gives him what he needs in order to get there. He gives him the perspective he needs to endure what's coming. See what happens next. And they said, at this, They covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. No! It says, I was trying to figure out who was here that would let me go and grab them and drag them like they did because the illustration would be amazing. And I was gonna let somebody do that to me, but then I was like, well, I'll probably fall and it'd be weird. But they're like, no! And they covered their ears. They didn't wanna hear anymore. They ran and it says they seized him. They took hold of him and they rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Now, I don't know what your visual, your understanding of what stoning is. They didn't like everybody, all right, here's your rock and here's your rock and here's your rock. Oh, here, come get your rocks. Like they didn't have like a a rock selling party beforehand. What they would do, Jewish tradition says that they would take somebody and it says that they had to throw them off of something first, the people, the witnesses first. They'd take somebody and throw them off of something twice their height. So for me, it would be 12-6. Because it was intended to be, though death, it was, it was still intended to be a humane death. And so they would do that. They would follow them. If they did not die instantly, the witnesses first would take a large stone and hurl it directly at their chest. It was meant to be accurate, which obviously it wasn't always. And if they didn't die then, then everybody else could throw stones until they died. So they went, they ran, yelling and screaming. I'm not gonna get you, I promise. (laughs) And they dragged him off, right? They take him to this place that's at least twice his height and they throw throw Stephen off. Now, again, this didn't happen to him because he was bringing some new truth or some blasphemy, although that's what they accused him of. It was because he was uncovering the truth that they had forgotten, that they had lived against and that they were resisting and rejecting. And he was thrown off says they began to stone him. So that process happened. He was probably thrown off. Maybe somebody chucked a rock at him. It says, meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a man named Saul. We'll come back to him 
in a couple chapters. Saul. He was a young man, probably in his 20s, and he was a great persecutor of the church, as we'll find out. And this is crazy, verse 59, look what it says. In my, my scriptures it says, while they were stoning him. Somebody have a different version? While, I would assume you probably do. While they were stoning him, in the middle of them stoning him, as he had been thrown off and there's a large rock coming to his chest, in the middle of the persecution, in this great violence against him because he will not deny Jesus is the Christ, he will not stop speaking truth irregardless of what it means, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed. When's the last time you were in hardship at the hands of someone else? If this was me, I don't know if I would pray or if I'd scream like a little girl. Ah, stop it! While they were stoning him, he's like, oh, look, I'm falling. Oh, look at that, it's a big rock. And he prays. There's this country song that says, I pray for you. It says, I pray for you. It's after a breakup because it's a country song. <laughs> I pray for you, you know, that your brakes go out. I pray for you, you know, it's a really terrible song. <laughs> but this is how we pray for people who hurt us, right? But while they were in the middle of this terrible violence for something he didn't do, he prayed for his persecutors. Here's what he says. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Lord Jesus, I see you standing there. Lord Jesus, I see you ready to welcome me home. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. They can break my bones, but they can't take my spirit. He didn't say receive all of me. He didn't say receive my body. He said receive my spirit because he knew his perspective was clear. He knew that this life is falling away, that our bodies are deteriorating. They're not getting better. My daughter told me the other day, my hair's receding. Don't focus there. <laughs> but we are deteriorating. And he said, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Whoo. When he said this, he fell asleep and Saul was there giving approval of his death. Lord, don't hold their sins against them. Does that sound familiar? Does this scene sound familiar? While Jesus was being persecuted, he did the same thing. Luke chapter 23, you can read it there. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Lord, forgive them. Their perspective is messed up. Lord, forgive them. If they actually understood, they wouldn't be doing this. Lord, please do not hold this sin against them, those who are throwing me down and trying to kill me with these large stones. And he's doing this in the middle of it happening. How is it that Stephen can have such composure? How is it that he could be so calm and full of peace in the middle of such violence and persecution? Like, what is it, right? We know that he's full of the Holy Spirit. Is that it? Well, 
What were the results of his death? Well, for Stephen, it was a coronation. It was a coming home. For Israel, it meant condemnation. I'm stealing this word for word out of a commentary I read because it was awesome. I just wanna make sure that you know that I didn't come up with this, but it's true. For the church in Jerusalem, it meant liberation. The church, though persecuted, understood that what they were going into was real and right. And for Saul, eventually it meant his salvation. Saul was gonna be the apostle Paul. You know the road to Damascus. I don't wanna jump too far ahead because it's an awesome, awesome part of scripture. But that's the same Saul who was persecuting Stephen and who was giving approval, dragging people to court and, if necessary, killing them on behalf of God in his mind. Remember, the Jews didn't think they were doing anything wrong. They believed that the long, slow process of developing tradition over truth gave them the ability and option to do this, to kill people who claimed Jesus was the Christ. They believed that the long, slow process of developing their tradition over God's truth gave them the right to kill Stephen and so many others and Christ himself. The truth had become encrusted. It was in there, but it was covered over by traditions of men. They couldn't recognize it when it came. I wonder if uh, you thought about whether you could die for Christ. I wonder if it's harder to live for him. I wonder if it's harder to actually live for Christ than it is to die for Christ. Romans chapter 12 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, I wonder if, See, you're not all called to be martyrs. We may not all be martyred for the sake of Christ, but we are all called to live for him, aren't we? And I think what it takes to live for Christ is the exact same things it is to die for him. To develop the things that you need to live for Christ are the same things that you will need when the persecution comes and you have to die for his name. Now remember, for his name. There's a big difference in dying for your truth or their truth or this truth or that truth. But to die for the name of Jesus is something a little different. I would encourage you to read all of Romans 12 because it gives us some, some more meat to those bones from verses one and two. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. In order to live for Christ... And be prepared to die for Christ. We must be controlled by the Holy Spirit and resolved to obey God rather than men. I'll say it again. Now, it's a long one. Not as fancy as some of the other ones, but it's good. I want you to remember this. In order to live for Christ 
and be prepared to die for Christ. We must be controlled by the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, right? And resolve to obey God rather than men. You put Romans 12, one and two there if you want. Let's see how. I want you to take a lesson from Stephen. Stephen was copying Jesus. Let's see what are the markers that gave him the perspective when the persecution came, he was able to not just endure it, but endure it in a way that honored God. You could, you could die for Christ and do it terribly. There's been, there's been stories of that as well. One, there's been stories of people who deny Christ to save themselves. There's stories of people who fought back, got angry, right? Eye for eye, tooth for tooth sort of thing. But remember, Stephen was first full of grace, wasn't he? How do you become full of grace? When you were convicted about your sin and you realized you needed a savior and you understood that Jesus was the way to forgiveness and salvation and eternity, that God's grace, that he gave you something that you didn't deserve, Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. You received heaven. You received forgiveness and wholeness. You received eternal salvation. That's God's grace. To be full of grace is to remember that every single day. Right? It's the idea that I know that I deserve separation from God. I know that. Johnny Marks, I know this. I'm as convinced of that as I'm convinced of Jesus. But because he offered me grace in these moments, to be full of grace is that keeping that perspective at the forefront. Second thing is to be full of wisdom, right? He was a man full of grace and wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? That's the church answer. We're in church, it's Jesus. You're not wrong, I'm, it's, you're absolutely right totally true. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, right? Making sure that God has his appropriate place in your heart, right? And we receive wisdom, heavenly wisdom. James talks about it. Heavenly wisdom is peace-loving and kind, right? On and on. And we get that from pursuing God in prayer and reading the scriptures, other forms of personal worship, right? Singing, of course, is a part of worship. It's not the only part of worship as we grow in our relationship with God. To be full of grace, to be full of wisdom. He, of course, was filled with the Holy Spirit. That was because he had a relationship with God through Christ. The third thing is to be filled with truth and not tradition. I know I'm saying this a lot, but I think it's important. To be filled with truth and not tradition. And it's not that all traditions are bad. But when traditions keep us from obeying God... Right? And they trump the truth like they were here. They are not good. You want to start a tradition of praying? Let's go. You want to start a tradition of generously giving and sacrificial living? Let's do that. You want to start a tradition of if you don't go to church enough, you're not going to get into heaven? I'm not down with that. Law over grace, that's not what it says anymore. It's never been what it says. Be filled with truth, not tradition. Let God's truth, not men's traditions, be what infirms you for your practice and direction you go in your life and faith. 
The last thing is to be committed to complete and radical obedience, even if it kills you. Now this translate, this is really hard, right? Because we have a lot of information coming in telling us that we can and can't do certain things in this world. Well, you can't talk about Jesus in school. Says who? Says who? Well, you can't, well, you're gonna get in trouble. You know, there's a few people that have gone before that have gotten in trouble for the exact same thing. And I'm not talking about inciting trouble, but when God gives opportunity to testify that he is the Christ, I'm saying the reason that Stephen was martyred was because he had a complete resolve and commitment to obey God rather than men. Because men told him, religious men told him to stop proclaiming that Jesus was the Christ. And he said, I'm sorry. Peter and John, they, they told them, they threatened them, don't speak that Jesus is the Christ. And they said, you tell us whether we should obey God rather than men. I know that the world tells you that if you tell people about Jesus or you love them like Jesus or you proclaim that Jesus is the only way, there will be trouble. You may lose your job. I may lose my job at some point. It might not be acceptable for me as a pastor to proclaim Jesus is the Christ. I doubt it in this church. But in the world, I guarantee there will be a time where proclaiming Christ will get you in trouble. And I hope that some of you will come and bail me out because I will tell you now that I am asking our family to be those who are of this kind of resolve and commitment to his obedience. I'm not talking about some radical, crazy Christianity where we go and we get ourselves on the news for being stupid. That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about when the opportunity arises to proclaim Jesus as the way, the hope, the joy, the peace, the eternal life that we do so with this kind of grace and truth and wisdom and peace full of the Holy Spirit. I wanna finish with this. I wanna give you some opportunity because I think that today you should wrestle with where you are in your heart. I think today you should ask yourself the question, if I was Stephen, what would be my response? Am I full of the Holy Spirit and grace and wisdom? Do I care about truth more than tradition? Do I have a radical commitment to obey God rather than men? And it's not an indictment if the answer is no, it's just an opportunity to adjust your perspective, right? Stephen was full of the Spirit and could see heaven he was so connected to God that it influenced everything he did and his ability to do what God wanted him to do. And all I'm asking is that we would take an assessment and find ways to have the tools. I was listening to this song, it's called Catch Me Singing. And there's a refrain in the song. And it reminded me, as I was studying about this, it reminded me of so many martyrs before, after Stephen and before us that helps with perspective. It says, this is the refrain, it says, you've been God for a long time. You're the final word, you're the finish line. Everything's gonna be all right. You've been God for a long time. 
The scripture says that our light and momentary troubles are far outweighed by the eternal glory we have in Christ Jesus. Our light and momentary troubles. Now, getting thrown off a twice your height cliff and being stoned to death doesn't sound light, but it is momentary. See, whatever trouble comes because you are proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ is light and momentary compared to the eternal glory that we have when we enter heaven to be with Jesus forever. And all I'm asking, all I'm offering us as brothers and sisters is to be full of grace and wisdom, to be filled with truth over tradition and to be committed to complete and radical obedience to God rather than men. And that the spirit would consume us so that in the middle of whatever will come, we can pray, Lord, don't hold this against them. Don't hold this against my wife. Lord, don't hold this against my husband. Don't hold this against my children. Oh Lord, don't hold this against that group or this group or those people or these people. Oh Lord, you be their perspective and that'll change. Do we have that kind of spirit in us? Are we that full of grace and truth where we can pray for our persecutors the way Jesus asked us to, right? When you are persecuted, pray for those who persecute you. Jesus showed us how and so did Stephen. And I wonder if we might be able to take hold of some of that. Let's pray. Father, as we enter into this time of prayer and worship through music and that you'd help us to see that you have been God for a long time, in fact, forever, before we breathed our first, you were. And after we leave our, uh, breathe our last, you will be. Everything is gonna be all right. You are the finish line. I'm gonna ask those who uh, serve on our prayer team to come forward. This is an opportunity to respond to the spirit of God moving in you. If you don't know Jesus, you were not sure why anybody would die for Jesus, but you really wanna know. I would encourage you to come and talk to somebody or you can talk to somebody after. You don't have to come forward for that, but it's a great place to do it. If you need to pray for someone or pray with somebody, please come and take opportunity this would also be the time where we would offer our tithe in worship. Uh, we're not passing anything right now, but you can do that online or you can also do it outside on your way out in the box labeled giving. Don't miss opportunity to engage the Lord in this time. Let's stand together as we continue to worship.